the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. This great nation will endure as it has endured. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. From every mountainside, let freedom ring, and if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. So let freedom ring. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Here's your host, Bob France. Yes, indeed. Welcome to Always Right Radio on air, AM 1420, The Answer, online, alwaysright.us. Thanks so much for being with us. Got a big show for you today going to be a long one. Got three hours of my own, then three hours for Dennis Prager uh, this afternoon from noon until three. So hopefully you can stick with me. I'll try not to repeat myself too much uh, as we bring you the most important news of the day. Coming up on the program, we do have uh, some very important guests who are going to be with us. Uh, Christina Hagen has the day off. She's got some uh, mission, not mission, some ministry work to do. So she has asked if she could come on next week. We will certainly accommodate that. Uh, but coming up on the program in a half an hour, we're going to talk to our friend Tony George at 935. Tony George is a restaurateur, a Cleveland area businessman, and uh, quite frankly, a true conservative patriot. He is the guy who stepped up when we got canceled for our Tuesday anniversary party. This coming Tuesday, you know by now, the anniversary party for WHK celebrating 100 years of radio. They flipped the switch onto that transmitter back in 1922. It has not gone off since. A hundred years later, 
we're still here. Oldest radio station in uh, in the state of Ohio. One of the 15 oldest stations to have stayed on uh, for as long as we have that are in continuous operation. And so uh, it's a big party, big 100th anniversary celebration. We were going to have downtown at a, a restaurant slash uh, bar in the flats. Uh, just to make it centrally located for people all over Greater Cleveland to come. But we got canceled because they were too woke and we were not, apparently. They didn't like the fact that we weren't woke, so they canceled us, which just, of course, proves that we you know, we are what we say we are. We're true, true patriots. You're not doing patriotism right. You're not true doing conservatism right until you get canceled. We are doing it right. We got canceled, and we want you to do it right, too, and join us for our giant celebration slash anniversary slash cancellation party. Because Tony George stepped up when we got canceled and said, bring that party to Harry Buffalo in North Homestead. And we said, done. Harry Buffalo is amazing anyway. It is a little bit west of center. Like I said, we wanted to be centrally located downtown, but it's a little bit west, but it's worth it to be in a a better place. And this is such a better place. We're going to have a great time on Tuesday. So we're going to talk to Tony George about that and what that means to him. That'll be coming up at 9.35, and I hope you have bought your tickets. If you haven't, uh, they're going fast. Get them now at uh, whkradio.com, whkradio.com. So Tony George at 9.35. Then at 10.10, we just I spoke with somebody this morning that I wanted to speak with in more depth. David Holt is the president of the American uh, Energy Alliance, and we are going to talk to him, or Consumer Energy Alliance, rather. We're going to talk to him about why it is that the Brandon administration is so hell-bent on destroying the fossil fuel industry. Why they're so hell-bent on destroying American budgets, American middle-class lives. You don't have to agree, but I want you to look in my eyes. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, we're going to end fossil fuel, and I am not going to cooperate with you, okay? I guarantee you, look in my eyes, we're going to end fossil fuels. $5 a gallon later... Um, he's making good on that promise, pushing and pushing and pushing for an end of fossil fuels and for the emergence of what they call green energy. So uh, we're going to talk to him, and it's going to be a great conversation. The Consumer Energy Alliance is what it's called, the Consumer Energy Alliance, and uh, they're working very, very hard to try to deal with what the uh, federal government through the Brandon administration is doing to you. So that'll be at 10.10, and then at 10.35, Rick Barron is going to join us. You know, yesterday, not sorry, not yesterday, earlier this week, we spoke with uh, Mark Bainbridge, who is an attorney who is um, a part of the uh, Ohio Republican Party State Central Committee, trying to oust the corrupt leadership of the State Central Committee. Bob Paduchik, the chair, uh, has got to go. David Johnson, who's the treasurer, has got to go. And there are some people who are working very, very hard to bring... Uh, I don't know, bring some integrity back to the ORP. And one of them is running for Johnson's position, and that's uh, Rick Barron. And he's going to join us at 1035 to talk about why you should vote. And nobody pays attention. Nobody pays attention to state central committee races. Everybody talks about, you know, they can't wait for the presidential cycle, the midterm cycle, congressional, et cetera, but they don't spend as much time or attention on state races, and in particular in the Republican Party to the state central committee races. It's time to pay attention to that. And Rick Barron will talk about that. So Tony George will join us. We will talk with uh, David Holt, and we will talk with Rick Barron. Those are the guests today. You are, of course, welcome to be a guest as well. I look forward to hearing from you at 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110. Now, before I dive into the top news of the morning, I would ask you to stand, patriots. 
Face your flag if you have one. If you don't, that is all right. Put your hand over your heart and join us for our pledge anyway. If you are a believer in inflation, if you are a believer in killing fossil fuels and thus destroying energy, destroying industry in the United States of America, if you are a believer in erasing America's southern border, if you are a believer in silencing dissenting voices online with Kamala Harris's new task force, well, then you don't believe in what that flag stands for anyway. So you're exempted from pledging your allegiance to it. Go ahead and take a knee next to your favorite ex-quarterback instead. For the rest of us, we say... I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. You know, it just becomes so frustrating, to be honest with you, um, when you when you continue to listen to some of the the stories told and the statements made by the Brandon administration as it pertains to our prices and our you know energy prices, and they're challenging the oil industry to lower their costs simply out of patriotism. Do it, Kareem Jean-Pierre said, because it's the patriotic thing to do. Lower your prices, Joe Biden says, because of patriotism, it's the right thing to do for your country. And whether you agree or don't agree with that, you have to understand the hypocrisy of it. Because they're saying, do what's right for your country and lower those prices, and then, don't forget, we are going to put you out of business. Lower your profits now, lower your costs now, and then know that you'll never be able to make them up because we are putting you out of business. You don't have to agree, but I want you to look in my eyes. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, we're going to end fossil fuel, and I am not going to cooperate with you, okay? I mean, Corinne Jean-Pierre shot down calls for more oil drilling yesterday. Corinne Jean-Pierre, the press secretary, did I mention she's black and she's gay? We always have to remember that because that's what they told us to remember. That's how important it is. Don't forget, she's black and she's gay, and that makes them groundbreakers. It's historic, you know. First black and openly gay woman to be the press secretary. That's fantastic. Good for you. Does it substitute for qualifications? No, but it doesn't have to. She's black and she's gay, and they wanted you to know it from day one. So the black gay, Corrine Jean-Pierre, the press secretary, said, no, we don't need to drill anymore. We don't need to drill anymore, but we want the oil companies to lower their prices anyway. We to do. drill more here in the U.S., though. We, because we don't need to do that. What we need them to do is, with the oil that's out there, we need the, to, them to refine that oil so that, so that prices, so that the capacity could go up and then prices it would go down. So, in other words, what they're saying is, Don't continue to drill and thus manufacture more petroleum products. Don't drill for more oil, and don't don't um, prepare, don't refine new oil. Just take the oil that you already have, refine it, lower its price, and send it out. And if you run out of your commodity, if you run out of your product, well, then that's okay because we're killing you anyway. We're 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 driving you out of business anyway. So no, we don't need to drill anymore. And it's the patriotic thing to do. 
so just to just to kind of summarize that oil companies please lower your prices it's the patriotic thing to do oil prices say okay well can we drill no we don't want you to drill can we build new refineries no you can't build new refineries either can we build a pipeline no you cannot build a pipeline either just make things better lower your prices and make things better how does that benefit the oil companies? How does that benefit the millions and millions and millions of people who own stock in oil companies? How does it help to literally take their finite amount of product and lower the cost of it, knowing they can't replace that product with new product by drilling and refining new products? How does that make any sense to anybody? And if you don't do that anyway, you're not patriotic. You're not patriots, and you're the problem. Putin's the problem and the oil companies are the problem, according to the Brandon administration. And it just gets so frustrating frustrating to hear them say, don't drill for more oil, don't build pipelines, don't um, uh, frack, don't explore for more natural gas and oil, but just give us what you've got, lower the price of it, and then when that's over with, well, we ought to have new windmills, windmills by then. Really? New windmills? Well, yeah, because it's all about new clean energy. That's inherently go down. And so, I know the president once said that he was going to end fossil fuel. Is that now off the table? No, we are going to continue uh, to move forward with our uh, clean energy uh, proposal, our climate change. (laughs) Uh, You're trying to help Americans? How is moving forward with your clean energy and your climate change and your emergency... Solar panel production. How's that helping Americans again with their gas prices, with their food prices, with their clothing prices, with their uh, everything prices, department store prices, hardware store prices? How's that helping Americans? It's not. And I don't want you to ever think for one second that it was ever about helping Americans. If it was about helping Americans, he wouldn't be trying to literally end the lifeblood upon which this country relies. This is a political promise. You know, the Trump administration liked, and I did too, um, throughout the, the duration of his term, to use the phrase, promises made, promises kept. Well, Biden can do the same thing. It's just that Trump made promises that would help Americans. Biden is making promises that hurt Americans. And both of them worked to keep them. And the Biden promise to end fossil fuels is being kept. And it's hurting Americans in the process. So it's a pretty astounding thing. Don't ever think for one second, for one second, that they have any intention whatsoever of lowering these prices. No matter what their words are, no matter what their uh, lip service they pay to it, It's the same way with the southern border. Now, how many times their words say, the border's closed? We take very seriously our southern border and our protection. As 240,000 people crossed that border in the month of May alone. Don't tell me you think they're trying to secure the border any more than I want you to tell me you think they're trying to lower gas prices. This is going according to plan. Wipe out fossil fuels and erase the southern border. Make this an open nation for people to come and go across it as they please, bringing anything that they wish with them. Guns, drugs, humans, name it, they get to do it. This, my friends, 
is Joe Biden's like uh, Biden's like uh, I just said Bri- Biden and Brandon together and came up with Biden. Uh, this is Joe Brandon's legacy. Make no mistake about it. This is intentional. This is not something that he's struggling to find a way to get a handle on. Okay, it's uh, nine twenty-two. This is always right. Radio on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Dial us up at two one six nine zero one zero nine four five. We're right back. Nine twenty-five now. Always right radio at alwaysright.us and on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Appreciate you being with us. There's a great piece uh, that I want to share with you, at least a portion of, to kind of explain, you know, maybe just by the numbers exactly what is going on in the branded administration, because there are five numbers that essentially define the Biden presidency so far, and I want to give them to you. This was uh, in JustTheNews.com by Aaron Kleigman. 8.6. 8.6 is the percent of the U.S. Inflation Consumer Price Index. Measures what consumers pay for goods and services month over month and year over year. 8.6% in the month of May. That monthly increase was the highest since 1981. Inflationary pressures are being put on from every direction. Biden wants you to think all of it comes from Vladimir Putin that this is all Putin's price hike, that this 8.6% is not something to which he should be held for held to account. Next number, five numbers that define the Biden presidency, <clears throat> excuse me, is 501. That is the average gal- uh, price per gallon of gasoline. For most Americans, the most devastating impact has been felt at the gas pump. The U.S. average at 501, this was as of this past Sunday, it's actually a nickel or so higher now. Gas has hit a new record almost every single day over the last 30 days. Diesel prices have reached record highs, showing no signs of dropping. And that, of course, affects a range of industries, from trucking to fishing and boating. And manufacturers obviously have to pay more to get their products from the plants to the store shelves because of the truck, uh, because of the diesel costs. So the 501, just to represent all gasoline costs. Next number, 234.88. 234,088 illegal border crossings. That was also just in the month of May. One month, 234,000 people just pouring into this country, and that does not count the gotaways. Just to give you a little bit of a, uh, an example of, of, of how drastic that is. There were just over 626,000 such crossings in the entire year, January 2020 to January 21, President Trump's last year in office. 626,000 for the whole 12 months. Biden just had 234,000 crossings in just May. As with the economy, the illegal immigration spike has real-world consequences that they don't care about. The fourth number you need to know, of the five important numbers that tell the story of the Biden's presidency is 39. That is the percent of the Biden approval rating. At least according to the new Morning Consult poll, the poll found his disapproval rating at a new high of 58%. And I can tell you that in other surveys, that number is much lower than 39, the all-time low for Biden in terms of approval. It's closer to 33, and with certain important uh, demographics of the population, including Hispanics and including very young people, young voters, so at least 18 years of age, 
But that number is down in the mid to low 20s. Biden has a higher disapproval rating than Trump did. And Trump, of course, had to deal with the most hateful and and despicable and agenda-driven media in the history of the country. The media fawns over Joe Biden, and the people still can't stand him. The media hated Donald Trump, and the people certainly went along with that, according to the to the uh, approval numbers. But with Biden, it's a very, very different story. The media fawns over him, carries the water, covers for him, and yet people still look at it and they say, this is trash. And finally, well, evidence of that belief, the final number is 83. As in 83% in a recent Gallup survey of American citizens who are dissatisfied with the way things are going in the United States right now. 83% dissatisfied. Only 16% say they were satisfied with the direction of the country right now. That's an astounding number, and it follows an NBC News survey, which found that 75% of Americans feel like the country is on the wrong track. Three out of four, four out of five American citizens say this country is going straight to hell. And it's only been that way in the year and a half that Brandon has been in office. That is astounding. We'll take our time out of here at 930 We'll get our newscast. On the other side of the newscast, we're going to talk to our friend Tony George, who's hosting the celebration, the heritage of 100 years of WHK Radio. If you don't have your tickets for our big party coming up Tuesday at Harry Buffalo, get them now. Get them during the news break. Go ahead and log on to whkradio.com. Buy your tickets. Join me. Join Tom Kelly. Join, uh, who else? Uh, uh, Khalid Namar, Rob Walgate, our crew, Johnny Hiles and Marcy and... Um, uh, we're going to have, who else is going to be in there from there? Tim is going to be there. Uh, Marianne is going to be there. She's answering our phones now. Uh, Candy will probably be there. The whole crew. It's going to be a great time. I want you to be a part of it. Get your tickets now at whkradio.com. And we're back after the news. Always Right Radio. Radio with Bob Frantz of The Answer. We know where we belong. And we're getting back to exactly where we belong. And that's at Harry Buffalo in North Olmstead. That's where we belong, and that's where we're going to be on Tuesday. The 100th birthday celebration of WHK. The switch was flipped on in 1922. A century later, we're still kicking. We're still driving. And we're still, well, we're still engaging. It's a heritage radio station with so much history, including being the first station to bring the Beatles, you're hearing right now, to Cleveland. Oh, my goodness, the history that this station has been through, and we are just so happy to be there. Now, this is going to be a party. This is not a political party. This is not a political event. We're not fundraising for candidates for anything. This is just a celebration of radio heritage and our community and our culture over the last century. It's it's a phenomenally fun event. That's all it's going to be. And yet, somebody who doesn't like our politics canceled us. 
canceled us. We had a deal. We were going to put it downtown so that we could have a, uh, a central location for people to come from the east, from the south, from the northwest, whatever. We we're going to have it downtown. We got canceled because somebody doesn't like the fact that we're not woke. Tony George called us and said, hey, you know what? You're just right for me. Bring the party to my house. And away we went. Harry Buffalo is exactly where we're going to be Tuesday. Tony George, restaurateur, owner of Harry Buffalo and a chain of Cleveland area restaurants, patriot, uh, joins us now to talk about what's coming up on Tuesday and how this whole thing came to be on AM 1420, The Answer. Hey, Tony, good to have you back on the air. How are you, sir? Good. Thanks for having me, Bob. Thanks for having us, Tony. I mean, you're having us. You're hosting us. Uh, we had a we had a situation. You know, we'd like to say that until you've been canceled, you, you're not doing it right. Well, we got canceled because somebody looked at our website and said, you know, you're not woke enough for us. You're you're all patriotic and stuff, and we don't like that around here. You stepped up and said, we like patriotism here. Come on out and let's celebrate a hundred hundred years of WHK and Harry Buffalo. We appreciate that, Tony, very much. Well, we love your radio station. I love the history of it, what you guys have been able to accomplish over the past 100 years. The fact that you're still standing is a big, big plus. And nobody knows what it's like to be canceled more than my family. So guess what? We're both going to be at the cancel party at the Harry Buffalo (laughs) on the 21st, celebrating 100 years of WHK. Well, that means, like I said, we're doing it right. You're doing it right. That is exactly right. And, you know, I, it, what's amazing to me is it didn't have to be that way, of course. This wasn't supposed to be anything political, and it's really not. It's going to be, you know, we're going to have a Beatles cover band there with Top Dog. We're going to have, uh, you know, whiskey tasting flight. We're going to have special cigars and a great buffet menu, and it's just going to be a party. It's not supposed to be political, but since they did it, and as you pointed out, you and your family have faced the same types of, of, of garbage from the cancel culture side of things. And uh, I, it, it's just a marriage that works for us. We're so happy to be there. You know I love Harry Buffalo. I love talking about Harry yeah. Buffalo twice a day on my radio program. And um, I'm just really excited. Um, so so tell, tell us a little bit about, you know, about Harry Buffalo's experiences or your family's experience as you talk about with, with cancellations. Well, you know, here, here's what happens, Owen. Here's what I find. The more they try to cancel you, the busier we get. So <laughs> I want them to continue to try to cancel us. And you're going to find that with your radio station, Bob. The more they try to cancel you, the more listenership you're going to get. Because I believe the people that do the canceling or try to do the canceling is a small, very small minority. But listen, they are. Harry Buffalo is a part of the fabric of Northeast Ohio. We've been around for 31 years, probably longer than any other regional chain in Ohio. And look how long you guys have been around, 100 years. You guys are part of the fabric of Northeast Ohio. So it's a celebration. we got to celebrate that fact. And we're looking forward to it. We're looking forward to all that music that I grew up with, listening to all of it that day. And we're going to have a great time, Bob. And I'm glad to have you. We are so proud of our partnership with you and our shared, uh, you know, belief system with you and, uh, and the fact that we're willing to stand up. And you're right. They are a very vocal minority, uh, Tony, but you know, some of them wield some power and some influence in, in, in other people. But I agree. Most people don't like bullies. I don't like bullies and I don't care if you're a bully from the right or a bully from the left or a bully from a, a nonpartisan standpoint. I don't like bullying. And generally speaking, you're right. People come to the aid of victims of bullying in, 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 in today's world. 
world. Bullying mean, means, you know, cancellation, trying to destroy somebody's livelihood, trying to destroy their jobs online, trying to destroy uh, their businesses, or whatever the case might be if people just disagree on something. Uh, and when people uh, see bullying happen, usually they stand up to the bullies and they come to the defense of the people who are doing nothing but living their lives and doing their thing uh, and, and facing uh, uh, all kinds of uh, uh, obstacles and all kinds of other uh, insidiousness uh, from those who uh, who do the bullying. So uh, we're so excited to be there on on Tuesday. Can you give us a little taste of what, what's going on? I know there's going to be a buffet dinner. We get to hang out on the. Uh, I, I I always like to say that the patio at Harry Buffalo is is honestly the best patio I think for outdoor dining in Northeast Ohio because it's covered and protected from the rain. You know, there's a huge area of it that's covered, uh, and and it just allows for I don't know the the atmosphere is just terrific. And we get to be out there. So tell us a little bit about what we can expect and those who so, are coming out. So you're going to have the band. You're going to have the band Top Gun or the band playing Top. that day. You're going to have a buffet. You're going to have a private event, which you, you guys have been talking about on the radio, which people can buy mm-hmm. tickets to. And I understand the money is going to go to charity, so that's great. And um, like you said, we have the best patio on on the west side of Cleveland. As and we're going to be expanding that patio. It's so popular, we're going to expand it over the next couple months. But it's a great location. It's at Great Northern, right on the corner of Brook Park, Great Northern Boulevard. Easy to get to from everywhere. Um, it's going to be great. And we're looking at, we're looking forward to having a just such a great, memorable time to celebrate the 100-year anniversary of your radio station. What a beautiful thing, accomplishment, to be there 100 years and still be ticking. Yeah, it really is. We're very, very proud of that. And, Tony, just super quick, um, how's business for you in the age of Brandon, uh, where inflation is jacking up the costs of everything, from food, uh, products, manufactured, uh, just about everything costs more because of uh, uh, you know the economic policies of the current administration. You can't be immune to that. And yet every time I go to Harry Buffalo with my family, I still walk out of there looking at that bill, looking at that check, and saying, that's really, really a great price. But it's hurting everybody to well, an extent. How are you guys because, handling the inflation? Well, we're, we're it's been tough, I could tell you, and we're taking it on the chin <clears throat> because we haven't raised our prices yet. But sooner or later, we're going to be forced to raise our prices. And uh, and uh, I hope I'm trying to hold off. To hopefully, you know, the prices stabilize and start coming down. But so far, we haven't raised our prices and. We haven't cut back on portions, and I think that's one of the reasons that we're busy, Bob, is we want to be loyal to our customers because they're loyal to us. And, well, uh, you know, I feel the same way. And I think that's one of the reasons we've been around for 31 years. How many restaurant chains last that long? No, no, you're 100% right about that. So you're, 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 you're managing to, to hold off raising prices for now, uh, which is great. And that takes care of the customers. And the other big, you know, story in your industry and quite frankly, all industries is workers. Uh, are, how are you doing staff wise? So many places there are signs on the door. Please be patient. We're understaffed. We're short. We can't get people to come and work. So, you know, your, 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 uh, order might be up in an hour as opposed to 25 minutes like it might normally, normally be. So how are you doing staff wise? We're having trouble getting staffing, but we're, but what we're finding out is the people that we have are working harder and they're making more money because the less waitresses we got, and the better job they do, they make more tips. But I'm going to use this opportunity to say anybody needs a job, please come up there and apply. We're hiring. 
and we have, you know, not just the Harry Buffalo Great Northern, but we have other restaurants that we uh, have, and we're, we're looking. We're short 100 people at a, in our restaurant chain. So we're looking for cooks, waiters, dishwashers, managers, chefs, waitresses, anything, bartenders, whatever you want to work, whatever you want to apply for, we have them openings, and we're paying good. We're paying above you know, what everybody else is paying, because we have to, to yeah. get good people. Yeah, you know, and I'm glad to hear you say that, too, because, you know, there's a lot of good people out there who maybe are just looking for the right place, and they haven't found the right place to go to work. So maybe uh, this is a great opportunity for them to come to you. And you know what's amazing, by the way? I have found, because I do this, I make a point of doing this, and I know a lot of other people I've talked to about this have found, is that we appreciate uh, the workers who are working, because there is such a shortage of workers, such a shortage of servers, bartenders, and so forth. Um, I always tipped well anyway, but we go over and above, and so many people are too, trying to say thank you for working, when so many other people won't. Thank you for serving my meal. Thank you for bringing my drinks. Thank you for doing all of these things. And people are over-tipping you know, what they ever have before, just to say, uh, we really appreciate those who are there. So that's just another incentive. If you're looking for a job, and uh, you want to work in the restaurant industry, to call Tony or come up to one of the restaurants, go to Harry Buffalo, uh, and say, I want to work, because you're going to make great money because people are people are appreciative. I know good people are appreciative of great service, particularly in a time when it's hard to find workers, so we are making sure that there is money in those people's pockets. You're exactly right, Bob, and we appreciate anybody who comes and applies to for a position with us. We would love to have you. Well, Tony, we're looking forward to seeing all of your great staff and you and uh, and and all of the great WHK listeners on Tuesday. A reminder for everyone, it's this Tuesday, Harry Buffalo in North Olmstead on Great Northern Boulevard. Great music from Top Dog as we celebrate the Beatles, uh, brought to Cleveland for the first time by WHK. VIP area with myself and Tom and some of our other hosts are going to be there and some of our crew. And it's going to be just a phenomenal time, hosted by Tony George, our friends, and fellow canceled uh, uh, people at uh, Harry Buffalo. We're going to have a great time on Tuesday. We look forward to seeing you, Tony. Thank you so much for having us out. And, and Bob, I want to add one more thing, because we're going to be so busy. You're more than welcome to park in the Sears parking lot. <laughs> well, that's good to know, considering Sears is empty anyway. Uh, let's right. let's let's fill it up with uh, let's fill it up with cars who are there at Harry Buffalo on Tuesday. Uh, Tony, thank you so much, my friend. God bless you. Have a great weekend. Happy Father's Day to you a little early, and we'll see you Tuesday. Happy Father's Day to all those fathers out there. God Amen bless. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Bye-bye. Tony. All right, Tony George is the owner there at uh, Harry Buffalo. If you didn't get your tickets yet, they're going fast. Get them now. WHKRadio.com. WHKRadio.com. Tuesday's 100th anniversary, 100th birthday, whatever it is you want to call it. We're going to have a great time. Quick time out right back on AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, 955. Always right radio online at alwaysright.us. On air on AM 1420, the answer. Appreciate you being with us. 
Coming up in uh, just a few minutes, we're going to talk about what is being done to you and why when it comes to your budgets, when it comes to energy, when it comes to gasoline costs. Um, we're going to talk with somebody who is an expert in the field. Consumer Energy Alliance President Dan Holt is going to join us, and we're going to talk about um, what sensible energy and environmental policies look like without crushing, as Joe Biden promised to do, the fossil fuel industries, without crushing uh, natural gas, coal, and oil companies, putting just hundreds of thousands of people uh, out of work and promising to replace all of it with clean energy which is something that doesn't exist. It's a misnomer. It does not exist. There's no such thing as clean energy. When you're talking about windmills made of, uh, um, uh, or what am I trying to say, uh, manufactured by materials that are completely non-biodegradable, that are going to sit in landfills forever. Same thing with electric car batteries. Uh, some materials that will never decompose. Some uh, of the the components of those batteries have to be dug and mined from the earth in very very aggressive ways that make what coal miners do look like nothing, um, and they call that clean energy. It's 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 a trap. It's a joke. It's a, it's a it's a political agenda is what it is. Consumer Energy Alliance knows it. So we're going to talk to them about what it means. What's the difference between the fossil fuel energies uh, that we have now and what they are trying to push on us through the Green New Deal? And remember, never, ever forget, they admitted it. This isn't Tucker Carlson saying, they want to kill your fossil fuels. This isn't Sean Hannity saying, they're trying to attack the oil industry. This isn't Laura Ingram or anybody else or Brian Kilmeade on Fox or anybody on OAN or anybody on Newsmax or anybody on conservative talk radio. It's not Bob France saying, I think they want to just kill the oil industry and kill fossil fuels here in order to advance their own agenda. It's them saying You don't have to agree, but I want you to look in my eyes. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, we're going to end fossil fuel, and I am not going to cooperate with you, okay? I guarantee you we're going to end fossil fuels, and I'm not going to cooperate them. What about drilling? We drill more here in the U.S., though. We, because we don't need to do that. What we need them to do is, with the oil that's out there, we need the, to, them to refine that oil so that so that prices, so that the capacity could go up, and then prices would go down, okay. inherently go down. Yeah. And so, I know the president once said that he was going to end fossil fuel. Is that now off the table? No, we are going to continue uh, to move forward with our uh, clean energy uh, proposal, our climate change uh, and, and so proposal. We're going to move forward with our clean energy proposal and our climate change agenda. They are not going to move forward with, I don't know, saving people's lives. They're so big on talking about saving lives, and that's why we have to do gun control. But when it comes to saving people's lives so that they can buy food, so they can afford clothing, so they can afford all of the necessities of life and try to survive Biden inflation? Nope. We're going forward with our agenda. However many people have to be sacrificed for us to get there is not our concern. We're going to talk to David Holt about that coming up after the top of the hour news, which is next on Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Welcome to 
Always Right Radio with Bob France on AM 1420. The answer. Hour number two underway, 17th morning of the sixth month of the year of our Lord, 2022. Thanks for being with us. It's nine minutes after 10 o'clock. Sometimes, sometimes you just have to believe people when they tell you who they are. Would there be any place for fossil fuels, including coal and fracking, in a Biden administration? No, we would would work it out. We would make sure it's eliminated. No more drilling on federal lands. No more drilling, including offshore. No ability for the oil industry to continue to drill, period. I guarantee you. We're going to end fossil fuel. What about, say, stopping fracking and stopping yes. new pipeline infrastructure? Yes. And, new pipeline. And, and, exactly. and no more, no new fracking. We are going to get rid of fossil fuels. I've argued against any more oil drilling or gas drilling on federal lands. No one's going to build a coal-fired plant again, and we're going to get rid of the ones we have now. Have a transition from the oil industry, yes. Would you be willing to sacrifice some of that growth? even knowing potentially that it could displace thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of blue-collar workers in the interest of transitioning to that greener economy? The answer is yes. And when it comes to the gas prices, uh, we're going through an incredible transition that is taking place that, God willing, when it's over, we'll be stronger and the world will be stronger and less reliant on fossil fuels when this is over. So I ask you, my friends, when you hear those words... Do you really believe that Joe Biden is trying to get gas prices down? Do you really, truly believe he is trying to make life easier for you? Trying to make life survivable for you? Budget by your budget, rather, paycheck to paycheck, week to week? Do you think? Or is he simply acting on what he promised? Wiping out the fossil fuel industry so that there is no choice but to rebuild with what they call clean energy. The clean energy industry, the Green New Deal. Joining us now to discuss this and its ramifications on us is David Holt. He's the president of Consumer Energy Alliance uh, down in Texas. And, David, it's good to have you on the program. How are you, sir? I'm good. Good to be here. Good to talk to you. We spoke a little bit earlier this morning. I told my audience, and I got a little bit of uh, information from you that I needed to expand upon with a little bit more time on our clock here. So I appreciate you doing that. When you hear all of those campaign promises made by Joe Biden, and all of those uh, were direct quotes uh, taken from him in 2019 and in 2020, uh, in which he literally said, this is what I'm going to do in order to get votes from far those on the far left, from those who uh, truly, uh, you know, the climate change alarmists who do not believe in fossil fuels. Um, when he said those things, and you hear those things now as we face, what is it, 502, 505, whatever the average price is now for nationally for a gallon of gas, what do you think of, uh, David Holt, when you hear those words now? Uh, you know, I think mistake. Uh, you know, I think clearly what we're seeing today is the mistake that is the energy policy in this country. Uh, and, and clearly the president ran on a position that was, you know, at best could be said antagonistic toward oil and gas. Uh, and now we're seeing that that is clearly geopolitically from a national security perspective, from a personal security perspective for folks that are living at the poverty level that are on fixed incomes. Uh, you know, folks that are less able to pay all these prices for energy, how bad a mistake this kind of energy policy is for this country. 
You know, another thing that I heard a couple of times in that piece leading up to our conversation here is the word transition. Yeah. You know, yes, we are in a transition. Listen, we, we, we agree more wind, more solar, you know, more energy diversity. But transition cannot mean doing away with oil and gas. We're not transitioning away from oil and gas. We're transitioning to a cleaner, environmentally, more environmentally friendly energy future that we can all agree on. But by, by some saying and trying to define transition as banning oil and natural gas, that is a mistake. It's not possible. It is not possible. It's not going to happen. It's too ingrained in our society. So we need to stop talking about, and we're seeing it now, right? Uh, in 2022, America, the most energy-rich nation on earth, we should not be having planned brownouts and blackouts. We should not be paying $5 a gallon for gasoline or $6 a gallon for diesel. We should be, as voters, doesn't matter what party you're in, you should not vote for any candidate that has a, has a philosophy of banning oil and natural gas because what we're seeing now it doesn't work. It can't happen. We need to stop talking about it and try to get everyone on the same page. David Holt is our guest. Uh, he is the president of uh, the Consumer Energy Alliance. Listen, David, I want to I want to challenge a little bit about what you said. You said we can all agree that it's going to be a cleaner energy when we transition eventually without, as you say, killing fossil fuels, but as uh, you know, keeping them alive as a part of this transition. Tell me where I'm going wrong when I say I don't see a cleaner energy future here. If we build the number of windmills it would take to try to generate the the power that we get now from fossil fuels, um, we will fill the landfills, America's landfills, in a matter of a couple of decades because those do not deteriorate. They do not decompose the materials. If we mine for cobalt and manganese and all of the other materials needed to build enough electric car batteries to completely erase a and stop production of the combustible uh, internal combustion engine, the gasoline-powered engines that we use now. Same thing. We're going to do more damage mining for those than we ever could mining for coal or drilling for oil or fracking for natural gas. How can they claim this is cleaner energy? It is just a different time. You know, when those landfills are full, what are we going to do? You know, we're going to dump all of those windmill materials and those things that will not uh, uh, will not decompose into the oceans. I mean, there's no such thing as a cleaner energy. It's just a different type. At least I'm a layman. I'm not an energy expert like you. That's what I see. So tell me where I'm wrong. Well, it's, and it's really, it, you're exactly right. I don't disagree with one thing you said, and I'll add another thing. The amount of transmission lines we're going to need to meet our energy needs from the renewable and, 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 and wind and solar requirements that we put in place, we're going to need to triple, triple the amount of transmission lines in this country. So that's another environmental issue we need to overcome. My point is, regardless of energy resource, technology and innovation is allowing us to make it cleaner and more responsible. So even when you're talking about making wind turbines and blades and things like that, they're working on technology that allows those to biodegrade more sensibly, more environmentally responsible over time, right? We're also looking at ways that we can extract oil and natural gas more cleanly, more environmentally responsible. The United States is already the most environmentally responsible nation on Earth. We're already showing the rest of the world that we can meet our energy needs in a sustainable, environmentally responsible way. We're already doing it, is my point. So we can continue to use oil and natural gas. It's getting cleaner and cleaner every day. We'll add incremental value in solar and wind and continue our energy diversity. The market's kind of spoken on that. So there's 
a desire for that, but that also has to be done in a clean, environmentally responsible way. And you're exactly right. Not enough people are talking about the fact that renewables and this clean economy that everyone keeps quoting is not necessarily that clean yet. But the desire to get it clean and continue innovation and technology is there, and the, and the industry is doing a damn good job of meeting our energy needs in an environmentally responsible way. What's holding us back is government and government regulation, government overreach, our inability to get permits to drill, our inability to get permits to build a new pipeline, a new transmission line. All these things are happening. We have a supply problem, and we're not able to get the supply to market to meet the demand, and that's why we're seeing these high prices. And this administration simply is not, when we saw the, the, the spokesperson for the White House yesterday, if y'all saw it, said, no, we absolutely do not need to drill more. That's flat out wrong. That's the thing we absolutely need to do more tomorrow to help lower these prices. But, that, they, won't, but they won't do yeah. that. They, they would rather go hand in hand to, to, to Saudi Arabia, which he's going to do next month, uh, to Venezuela, which has already been done, and other oil-producing countries, and tell them, hey, you guys drill, uh, because it'll kill me politically if we do the drilling, if we allow the American companies, the oil companies, the gas companies, to drill in North America. So why don't you do it and just sell it to us at a better price? Uh, it, 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 just, it, it completely betrays their words that they care about the climate and they care about the planet or that they really believe this impacts it at all if they're willing to drill in one part of the earth but not our part of the earth because it might look bad to our voters Uh, you're exactly right and you know uh, uh, it's it's so frustrating that logic has been lost in our political conversation and if you just make the simple logical leap and it's not hard that you just made it it undermines the entire argument we're hearing from this white house uh, why would we ask other nations that aren't as environmentally responsible that, that, as us to ship via transport over the oceans oil to get here when we can produce it more cleanly, more efficiently, and locally and lower these energy prices? The United States is the number one oil and natural gas producer in the world. We are between, depending on the day, the number one or number two consumer of oil and natural gas. So we are the most energy-rich nation on Earth. So why aren't we doing more to meet our energy needs here at home, lower the price of oil, lower the price of gasoline, lower the price of diesel, which impacts every piece of grocery, clothing, lumber, everything is going up because of high diesel prices, uh, and stop killing this economy. It, it seems to be very logical, a very easy decision that could be made, and yet we're not seeing this administration make it. And I think your point's probably right, that they're doing this intentionally because they think it's going to hasten our transition to something else. Uh, but it's not. People are just being forced to spend more, and it's destroying the economy. We're talking to David Holt. He's the president of Consumer Energy Alliance, the voice of the energy consumer. Um, David, correct me if I'm wrong. I... Uh... Uh, this country is nearly 250 years old, 246 to be precise. I've heard two different numbers from different sources that we already have, based on the energy we're aware of, 
enough fossil fuel energy, that means oil and natural gas and coal, to power this country for another 200 years. Another source said 300 years. And that's that's without discovering any new oil, any new deposits getting offshore, getting into Anwar, all of the other places we have yet to even explore. We already have another two to 300. In other words, the history of this country again on top of itself and maybe even longer. And that's before we do anything else. How do they continue to call this, uh, you know, uh, th- this fossil fuel rich land upon which we live? Um, how do they continue to call this limited resources that w- that we need renewables because these are finite resources? They almost seem infinite. They are. They are. And you know, and listen. Every and your your point's right. Every time we look, we actually find more. So, you know, the, again, we we the technology continues to expand. Innovation continues to get better. Uh, we're we're extracting it more cleanly, more responsibly. Uh, we're squeezing more out of a barrel of oil, so we're able to do more things with it. And it's not just gasoline and diesel that comes from fossil energy, right? It's it's your buttons on your shirt, it's your shoes, it's ev- everything in your car, it's your wallpaper, it's your carpeting. It's your drapes. No one addresses uh, that, David. I apologize for the intrusion here. No one talks about all of the petroleum products that would would be impacted by, as Joe Biden promised, killing the oil industry. You don't have to agree, but I want you to look in my eyes. I guarantee you, I guarantee you. We're going to end fossil fuel, and I am not going to cooperate with you. Okay? Everybody thinks it's just about gasoline. And, David, you're bringing up the, the reality of it, that petroleum products the world over, everything in our lives are impacted by petroleum. If they kill fossil fuels, they kill oil exploration and so forth, all of these things are going to be gone at some point. They're not going to be able to make these things out of wind, you know, or, 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 or out of sun rays uh, the way they think they can just do with energy. Yeah, you know, you, listen, if you're in your car right now or in your, you're in your office, just look around. You know, every single thing your eye touches is made with oil or natural gas. Everything. It, it is, it is, it is uh, ingrained in our society in a way that it, it cannot be removed, and, and it's not going to be replaced by electricity resources. It's, it's, it's going to be petroleum or natural gas. So when the president says he's going to end it, it's not – it's not an honest position to take. It's not a rational position to take. It's it's kind of a unicorn. It is not going to happen. It just it's impossible, you know. And, and uh, having a policy that's built on a an illusion is not a policy. So you know, at this point, you know, when we're all thinking about November and we're thinking about voting, it doesn't matter what political party you're going to vote for. That person needs to be sensible on energy, understand that oil and natural gas are going to be a large, the dominant part of our energy mix for the foreseeable future, for decades upon decades upon decades. And that person deserves our vote. Anyone that says we're going to ban fossil energy, anyone that says that we're transitioning away from oil and natural gas should not be allowed in office because our energy policy is broken in this country and we need to fix it. Yeah, that is exactly right. Uh, and David, I want to ask you one last thing here again, because you, your expertise in this field as the president of Consumer uh, um, uh, Energy, uh, Consumer Energy Alliance, rather. I believe there are somewhere between two and six million electric vehicles on America's roads right now, as of March of this year. I think is the research that I did. There are roughly two hundred ninety million vehicles total on Americans' roads. So if we do that math. 
there's roughly 285 million gasoline-powered engines on American roads. What would it take for the infrastructure to be built to replace 285 million vehicles with electric vehicles? You mentioned rolling brownouts and blackouts that they're already planning for this year, and and, and that's with roughly 5 million electric vehicles on the road. That's just with our regular electrical consumption. What would it take, as an energy guy, what would it take infrastructure-wise to... To replace 285 million uh, gasoline internal combustion engines with EVs. So, uh, you know, it, it's, one, it's not possible. That's the easy answer. But uh, that's what it, they're telling us the goal fact, is. That's yeah. what they're telling us, right? It, to do that, it would be literally the, the third of the country. If you look at the third of the country in the middle part of America, and you say no one lives there, and it's all going to be wind turbines and solar panels, that's what it would look like. Um but it's absolutely physically not possible. It's not going to happen. Another thing, other point that you make, we keep hearing from this administration, well, we want more people to buy electric vehicles. The cheapest electric vehicle on the market is $55,000. You, you're not, when we have 20% of this country that's living at or near the poverty level, and you're saying go buy an electric vehicle, that's not going to happen. That's the old let them eat cake statement that we've heard. They're, they are not in touch with the reality of this situation. It's almost like it's an energy privilege, if you want to use a term that they use so much. They are so privileged by their energy use and, and how they get their energy that they don't understand how the rest of the country actually works. So it's, it's um, the short answer to your question is it is not possible to do what, um, what they're advocating needs to be done. Yeah, and if that is the case, then they have to admit that all of the promises of ending fossil fuels and no more drilling at all for oil companies uh, is is a complete lie. It cannot happen. It cannot be done. We cannot stop the production and the use of uh, of, of uh, gasoline powered vehicles, and we certainly cannot stop the uh, and end the production of petroleum based products. As you say, if you look around, we are surrounded by it in virtually everything that we touched, and yet here Absolutely. we sit. Here we sit as they play this this clean energy game for their climate climate change voters. Uh, David Holt, uh, really appreciate the insight. Uh, this is information that most people don't have. I hope we can call on you again as this continues to be an issue uh, in this uh, in this country, and and we'll hopefully educate people before they decide on whom uh, they or for whom they will cast their votes. Absolutely happy to do it. Thank you, David. David Holt, Consumer Energy Alliance, the voice of the energy consumer, joining us on AM 1420, The Answer. We'll take it to the news, and we'll come right back. Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Sleeping masses and stoking the fire of the American dream. Always right radio with Bob France on the answer. You don't have to agree, but I want you to look in my eyes. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, we're gonna end fossil fuel and I am not gonna cooperate with you, okay? We're changing people's lives. <laughs> That's not a good thing, you babbling buffoon. And when it comes to the gas prices. Uh, we're going through an incredible transition 
that is taking place, that God willing, when it's over, will be stronger and the world will be stronger and less reliant on fossil fuels. Uh, everything that guy just says, bullshit. Thank you. You're very welcome. That is pretty accurate, too. What a great interview with David Holt. If you, just, if you missed the interview we just did, make sure you check it out. It'll be posted. On the webpage, alwaysright.us, a little bit later on this morning, it'll be on the podcast page of whkradio.com. Uh, David Holt, the president of the um, Consumer Energy Alliance, you really need to check it out. People don't understand what petroleum products are. People think we just drill for oil, we refine the oil, we put it in a barrel, we send it to the, uh, uh, to the stations, and you put it in your tank in the form of gasoline. Almost everything you touch is petroleum-based. And if we try to end our dependence on fossil fuels the way Joe Brandon just said, we literally will not have industry in this country. We will not have a country. It is just that simple. So check that interview out. I think you're going to appreciate it. Speaking of interviews, last week, or excuse me, beg pardon, earlier this week, we talked to Mark Bainbridge. Mark Bainbridge is a member of the ORP State Central Committee. Mark has been pushing to try to find out why there is so much secrecy surrounding the dollars uh, owned and operated and uh, used by the Ohio Republican Party. There's been a huge gap. There's been a lawsuit that has been filed against Bob Paduchik and against uh, David Johnson, the treasurer, about $3 million missing dollars. More specifically, Mark wrote a letter to the uh, State Central Committee talking about $300,000 that are unaccounted for during 2021, the ORP net worth. Where's that money? Who authorized misguided financial decisions that caused this loss? And why can't we get a, a full accounting of it by having an audit? For crying out loud, there's an audit committee in the uh, ORP, in the State Central Committee. I didn't know that until I talked to Mark, but there is. Bob Paduchik won't call for one. He won't allow those audit committee members to, you know, actually hire a firm to conduct the audit. It's pretty it's pretty astounding. Neither will the treasurer, David Johnson. The summary here, as Mark Bainbridge and Tom Zawistowski and a number, a number of other people have pointed out, is we need to clean house in terms of the leadership of the potentially corrupt Certainly incompetent, maybe corrupt. How about that? Leadership at the ORP. That means getting rid of Bob Paducic. means getting rid of David Johnson, the treasurer. And joining us now, somebody's trying to do that. Rick Barron is running for Ohio State Central Committee in District 33. That includes Mahoning, Columbiana, and Carroll counties. And that is uh, where David Johnson resides. That is his district. He is not only a member there, he is, again, the treasurer. Uh, and Rick Barron needs to boot him. And he joins us now to tell us exactly how and why he plans to do that. Rick, thanks for the time this morning. How are you, sir? I'm doing really good this morning, Bob. And uh, that was well put, the introduction. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm doing great. And I want to thank you for what you are doing and being a voice of uh, what actually is happening. Well, you know what I am is I'm a voice of the frustrated, uh, you know, Republican conservative population in this state. I don't don't you feel, Rick, like this state is just a tiny shell of what it could be um, if the massive majority Republican leadership we have would actually just do what the voters sent them to Columbus to do. I mean, we win races like crazy. We've got veto-proof majorities in the Ohio House and in the Ohio Senate. We have the governor's office. But yet so many of them are afraid to do what we want them to do. 
Uh, they govern like Democrats, and it's almost like we have a waste. It's almost like our state is being wasted uh, with the power that we have given the Republicans who don't act like Republicans. Oh, oh, <laughs> you are spot on, 100% spot on. Yes, absolutely. I tell the people here in uh, Mahoney County, where I'm from, that just imagine what we could do if our elected officials didn't work for special interests while it benefits them by lining their pockets, not only in the in the pension money, but the, the special interest and everything. If they would just work for the public. For instance, most people, Dave Johnson, he received $1.9 million PPP money while we were locked down for his company, Summitville Tile. So get this, get this. He made he made twenty five hundred an hour. He's appointed by the governor to the bureau chairman of the Ohio Bureau of Workers Comp. Ohio Bureau of Workers Comp were the ones that the wine called on to go out and do the mask mandates uh, with his uh, Nazi like uh, style uh, squads going around the bars, threatening their liquor licenses if they weren't wearing masks in the bars. So he's appointed by the governor. The governor goes to workers' comp, and uh, they patrol the bars. And David, in return, David gets his company gets $1.9 million. He made 2500 an hour for workers' comp. And what Mark Bainbridge pointed out in the paperwork that Mark gave me, uh, and then we know it happened because Mike DeWine had to claim it on his campaign finances. Mike DeWine was given almost a million dollars, 800 and some thousand dollars, uh, before he was even ever endorsed by the party, just on a direction from Bob Paducek and uh, David Johnson. So these people are fleecing the tax dollars, and that's without the sanitizer that some adult tile was making. They got the grants from the government. Uh, Dave Johnson personally and through his position cleaned house, and now he's fighting audits adamantly after donating to Mike DeWine. Well, Rick, after hearing all of that, I would like to retract my use of the word alleged when I talked about corruption, <laughs> because I, everything you just described is corruption. It's, it's have, quid pro I have, quo. Bob, Go I have the paperwork because it's public information of the money that was given to, uh, to uh, the 2500 an hour, uh, because he only met, he was given so much money, like $16,900 or something, but he only, during COVID, he only did five hours worth of work for that money while they sent the squads out to, to uh, come down on our, uh, on our freedoms. So, I mean, and then we, it is public information, so I'm not making it up. It's public information about so, the PPP money to his company and stuff. So, so let's, let's talk about that for a little bit more. Um, you know, it's one thing to call for an audit of the ORP and the dollars there, which we just got done discussing, and why it is that Bob Paducic, uh, you know, greenlit over a million dollars to DeWine before he became the endorsed party candidate and so forth. But let's talk about what you just said, the PPP money, $1.9 million to David Johnson's tile company. Does that not have to be audited? How were those dollars spent, proving that they were spent for um, what they were intended? Who I Who oversees it? who was overseeing to make sure that the money was there, that David had the amount of employees that they did that they did uh, on there. The state of Ohio, I would assume, would have to uh, verify the corporation and verify uh, the money of where it was spent. Sure. How many employees are on the payroll, but who is doing that? Well, yeah, well that's, that's my question. Has anybody asked anybody in the state house that question? Is, any, is there any oversight oh, yeah, being done? 
we're, we're over. Yeah, Mark Bainbridge and uh, Laura Rosenberger. Yes, all of us that are running for the uh, for the uh, state central committee seats. Uh, we, we are we are the promise keepers. We have we have uh, 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 okay. Charles Blake is a uh, like a, uh, special services. We have really good people that are running for these seats, and we're all questioning it. And uh, like Mark Bainbridge says, he don't get a call back for it. it, it no, well, 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 from whom? From whom? Like, who is he from, calling? From, yeah, from, from Mark, Mark Bainbridge does not get a call back from uh, Bob Paducic. See, the paperwork... Okay, I, I get that. I get that, Rick. What I'm saying is, though, is there not oversight in the state house of these expenditures that were given no. by Mike DeWine to companies like uh, like Johnson's Tile Company? Is there not any oversight committee that, that is making sure these dollars are not just being you know handed from one pocket to the next pocket as a part of a quid pro quo deal, which is what you right. described? And, and, and it should be. From what I was told when I wanted to find out information on the employees and do the research myself, that we had to have, and I don't know how true this is or not, so it's unverified by me because I've been beating my head against the wall trying to find it out, whatever. But now, how many people were on the staff compared to the paperwork that he did? I was told that there has to be somebody inside the corporation that is a whistleblower, to do it, and then it would go back to all of the uh, state agencies, quite honestly, that Mike DeWine appoints the people to. Jeez. Wow. Okay, we're, ta- so we're, ta- we're yeah, talking. So now, now, tied, tied with that a little bit with this lawsuit, what's happening in the Republican Party, they have such a hold on our, on our, on our state, going back to your original statement uh, yeah. of what we could do in this state. There is such a hold of a power power that they've got established over this entire government that most people don't have a clue with. They, they, uh, the ethics, they turn out their paperwork, it is self-audited through these people right now. They've fired, thrown off of the finance uh, boards at the committees at the uh, state central committee, and then they do an, they do what they're calling an audit, but it's just like an internal review. It goes back to Dave Johnson, and all he says, there is no money missing. I did nothing wrong. Okay, Dave, I know you. Okay, maybe you didn't do anything wrong, and I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt, and I believe you. But just put the paperwork out and see. So Mark files a lawsuit, and the most disturbing thing with all of this that me and you are talking about right now is that a Democrat judge had ordered it removed from the courts, and uh, we are they are appealing it to a higher court mm-hmm. that the Republican Party is a 501c, it's a nonprofit. When I ran for commissioner in Mahoning County, I had to file an ethics report with the state of Ohio that if you gave me tickets to see the Indians uh, a year ago, that I had to claim it because it shows that we might have a connection. Sure. So then I went down and I tried to file with the Board of Elections this time around my designated treasurer form for campaign finances to report them if you gave me money, whatever. So anyhow, they don't take it. State Central Committee people do not file campaign finance reports. Get that right. The 66 men and women that run either the Republican Party or the Democrat Party only don't, don't, don't report to anybody who lobbyists could be paying off for a prid quo, a pro pro prid, okay, a pro quid, quid, quid pro quo, yeah. right. Yeah, no quid, yeah, quid, yeah. So anyhow, for money to benefit them. So now anyhow, somebody could take now, I'm a candidate, and I can take an unlimited amount of money to sell votes and promises. When we get in, we only need a 34 majority vote. So now that money that comes down to me, it's only 34 people that make the decisions for either the Democrat or Republican Party. They don't answer to any court.
court jurisdiction now. Political parties, by this judge's ruling, are that the, the parties administer their own finances and their own uh, audits of the books, and then they fire the people off of these financial committees, and you have one person, Paducek, with his checkbook, Dave Johnson, issuing money with people unchecked, and they don't provide an unfair audit for you and I to know where the money came from or whatever the money was. Well, I'll tell you what, if this doesn't look like and smell like corruption, then nothing does. Now, we're talking for, if you just turn, turn this on, Rick Barron is uh, running for State Central Committee, Ohio, Republican Party State Central Committee, District 33. That's the one held by David Johnson. So Mark Bainbridge, in his letter earlier this week to State Central Committee members, called for the resignations of the Chairman Paducic and the Treasurer Johnson, and you're running against Johnson. So I want you to respond the same way Bain, I asked Bainbridge to do to Bob Paducic's follow-up letter, in which he said, to be clear, Mark Bainbridge, Tom Zawistowski, and others are attempting to seize control of the Ohio Republican Party, secretly funded dark money groups like Committee for a Better Ohio, Ohio Promise Keepers, which you mentioned, and Ohio Republicans for Party Reform will continue to fund and promote these false negative attacks. Failed politicians will also continue to attack the Republican Party. He went on to say, Patriots are coming together to fight back against the dark money groups dedicated to destroying the Ohio Republican Party. Uh, so, Rick Barron, you're running against David Johnson. How do you respond to Paducek's letter? This is the most important question anybody could ask me in this election cycle, and I want to thank you for that. Uh, I will respond to it, and it's going to go a little bit to my to my past and then my ties to the promise keepers, which there are none, uh, which I am a promise keeper. Uh, after. Anyhow, 2018, I have to do a little bit of a background. Why and why and what, how I'm going to answer to this. I agree 100% with Mark Bainbridge. With but with Bob Paducic, I will take that personally, and I will call him out on that and say that is a downright absolute lie. I am going to call him a liar on the political spectrum for that, or Dave Johnson, anyone else that says that I am taking dark money from anyone. It is just not happening. When I ran for commissioner in 2018 in Mahoning County to fill a ticket against a 44-year incumbent, I could not get any money out of the Ohio Republican Party. They brought Mike DeWine up to our Canfield Fair wanted me to pose with him. They had a phone bank I walked out on, and I was told that I needed to be in his corner, that we had endorsed him. Like, he's everything I stand against. I had 36,000 votes as a patriot in Mahoney County in 2018 on the same ticket as Michael Rooley and uh, our state senator, our district, and uh, Don Manning, who passed away. I started sitting back and looking at the money. Certain candidates can get $230,000 of ORP money handed to them. We know that because the candidate has to claim that, but the party treasurer is not putting that out for us. It goes back to the Board of Ethics that are appointed by the governor uh, and, and whatever of the money anywhere it goes. So basically there's only three people in charge of all this. So they can pull up my campaign finances. My name is Richard Barron. It's Mahoney County Board of Elections, and you can look where my money comes from. I had this planned to run against these people, for a couple years now. I didn't want to be in it. I didn't tilt my hat on it. And then one day, people like Joe Blystone are running, uh, Jim Renacy are running, and uh, and all these other ones against Mike DeWine, and I get on the phone to Renacy's camp. I go, I go meet Joe, and I'm out at Patriot meetings, and somebody told me I need to get a hold of Promise Keepers. I go online. I find out who the Promise Keepers are, and immediately I take my pledge. 
And believe me, I've been arguing and fighting openly with other members that are in these promise keepers that think that I'm not my own man, that I only follow these people. I had this in the works before any other interest group got started in this in Mahoning County. My Facebook is full of it if people go back for the last couple of years of me calling out this corruption. I am not tied to any dark money groups. I have not received any money from them. I've made a promise to the people in this state, and I am very offended by that letter. I'm a patriot here with you, my man. Well, I'll tell you what, Rick. Um, I'm convinced because I've had a big problem with what Bob Paduchik has been doing for a long time, and Mark Bainbridge has been chronicling all of this. And the fact that you're running to try to clean it up and to get Paduchik out, and in your case in, in particular, uh, to get Johnson out, uh, if you were to win that uh, state central committee spot in District 33, would you then also run for the treasurer's position or uh, no, want to be the no. treasurer? Or you just want to get Johnson out of there. I am a I am a construction guy. I mean, I had okay. some pre med in college, what have you. I own my own company, multi million dollar jobs, whatever. Yes, I can do prevailing to wage reports, everything. But I'm not a, that I've done. I'm a union contractor, government contracts. But I don't want to. Yeah, there you go. I'm a, there. That's another stereotype. I served a union apprenticeship, and I'm a union. Con- we just did 14 bathrooms at Youngstown State University. So, am I capable of doing it? Yes. But I don't want the conflict of interest of doing it. I'm not an accountant. I will be a vote inside of there. Uh, or I know that they get to a point, the chairman, uh, Mark was making a point out of it, that the chairman gets to appoint people. Mm-hmm. But I would love to be a vote to, on the floor or even bring up a motion that we hire an outside, uh, uh, not tied to any of us, accounting firm and make it public that can be verified by outside accounting firm. That's what I want, too. That's exactly what I want, too. And if David Johnson is as innocent as he says he is, just get the audit done and prove it. Same thing with Bob Paduchik. If there's nothing and there's no missing money, prove it and get this done. Because guess what? If it proved to be true, then the Republican Party looks that much better and that much stronger. You know Uh, what? But he doesn't want to do that. You you are 100% spot on with that. I just had the... uh, the, Building trades uh, audit my books for over the work I've did down as, uh, for a couple of years down at Youngstown State University, Angels for Animals, a couple other places. Anyhow, I gladly hand it over. And I don't have to give over like my whole tax forms or anything. I sent everything over to their accountants, and I got my letter back that the audit shows no wrongdoing, no exceptions, and I put it publicly on my Facebook. As you, know you should. If, if, makes if, you if look I'm good. not hiding, if I'm not hiding anything where your tax dollars are going, am I paying my benefits in on my guys? Am I doing stuff? Why would I? Why would I not put it out? Also, I'm telling Dave Johnson and Paducek, just let an outside auditing firm do this and put it out publicly that we can verify it. What What is the problem with that? No, There should be no problem with that if they have nothing to hide. Rick Barron, running for State Central Committee, his promise, end ORP corruption, open roll call voting, which I think is important, annual Bam. audits, which is even more important, and ending primary endorsements. Uh, Rick, uh, I want everybody in District 33 to do what needs to be done here and that is support you, put you on that state central committee, get rid of the corrupt individuals who are running the ORP now, and running, quite frankly, the literal Republican Party in the state into the ground uh, so that it serves no good for its voters, for its for its constituents. So, uh, Rick, thank you for coming on. Thank you for fighting what you are fighting. Uh, best of luck in defeating David Johnson, and I want everybody on August, what is it, August 2nd or 3rd? 
It is August 2nd. August 2nd. I want everybody to get out there. We don't get many, uh, you know, much turnout for these kinds of things, but we need every single voter who cares about what's going on in the state to vote in these races, and I would say vote for Rick Barron. Absolutely. Thank uh, you so much, my man. My pleasure. Thank you for coming on, and if you've got more to add between now and August 2nd that we need to know, you come back, all right? I absolutely will. Again, I can't thank you enough. Take thank care. Thank you. God bless. All right, 1058, coming up on News Time, hour number three. Next, AM 1420, The Answer. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead, who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. This is Always Right Radio with Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer. Final hour of the, well, the morning. Final hour of the week. Now on AM 1420, The Answer. Free for all Friday this hour, so uh, get on board now at 216-901-0945, it, uh, two, yeah, two, triple eight, two, eight, one, eleven, ten. I thought I messed that up. It is the seventeenth uh, morning of the sixth month of the year of our Lord, twenty twenty-two. Father's Day weekend is upon us. I want to wish all the dads a very happy Father's Day, and I want to talk a little bit about Father's Day. More importantly, I want to talk a little bit about fathers and about how dangerous it is for us to be a fatherless nation. And the sad reality is, for forty percent of this nation. We're a fatherless nation. It's reality. You know, there's a lot of things to point the finger at. And by the way, if you're on hold, don't get frustrated. I'm coming right to you. I promise. If you're not on hold, you should get on hold. Two one six nine zero one zero nine four five. Um, it's it's a it's a frustrating thing when you look at all of the problems that our country has, and there are many many places to point fingers. A lot of them at government, a lot of them at government, a lot of them at media, a lot of them at the popular culture influencers, the music world, the movie world, Hollywood, television. I think the biggest destroyer of a culture and of a nation, though, uh, would be those that demonize and blame Men, for the troubles and the trials and the travails of the world, calling what men do toxic, particularly if they're strong men. Toxic masculinity, they call it. Toxic masculinity is at the root of the problem. Men always trying to impose their will, force their way. They call... They call it the the patriarchy. 
patriarchy. Patriarch means the, the father of, a, of the family or the extended family and whatnot. And it's the toxic masculinity and the patriarchy that's responsible for the trials and the travails and the tribulations of this, of this culture and of this country, they say. There's nobody who is more put down upon than the male, the straight male particularly because that would be the father of a family, a patriarch, because, you know, if you're practicing gay, male, dumb, (laughs) for lack of a better way of saying it, you can't be a father. At least you can't naturally produce children that way. So you're attacking straight males who are strong and aggressive and masculine and saying they're the problem. I would argue that this country was built by strong, masculine, patriarchal types of people that have built the greatest civilization in the history of humanity. And it's the erosion of that male that is leading to the you know, the destruction, quite frankly, of the family, and thus the community, and thus the society, and thus the culture. If you kind of take it on a mini by, uh, you know, a a micro by by macro level, the family, the community, the society, the culture. It's all devastated when masculine males who are accused of toxicity and over-masculinity and over- uh, overarching reach, if you will, through the patriarchy. That's that's what has led to us, led us to where we are. About a week ago, there. Were, no, I beg your pardon. I'm sorry. There was did two different stories. This one was from February, but it's perfect to bring up now on the eve of Father's Day or Father's Day weekend. Anyway, it was in uh, Creators.com, written by Terrence P. Jeffrey, talking about the fatherless nation. I want to read a couple of excerpts to you. In 1941, when the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor and the United States entered World War II, there were 2,500,000-plus babies born in this country. Of those babies, according to the CDC, 95,700 of them were born to unmarried mothers. What percentage is that? That's 3.8%. The traditional family led by a mother and a father was a foundational fact of American culture. In 1945, four years later, the percentage of babies born to unmarried mothers rose to 4.3% from 3.8. But by 1946, the first full year after the war, it dropped back down to 3.8 again. The traditional family survived. Then in the 1950s, the percentage of American babies born to unmarried mothers began to slowly tick upward. 5.2% by the end of the 50s. By 1969, 10% of American babies were born to unmarried mothers. By 2008, that number surpassed 40%. In 10 of the last 13 years on record, 2008 through 2020, the number of children or the rate of children born to unmarried mothers surpassed 40%. And in the three years that it did not, it dropped, uh, never dropped below 39.6. So you round 39.6 up and you can say for 13 consecutive years, 40% of babies born were born to unmarried mothers. 
In fact, in the 13 years from 08 to 20, there were 51,138,204 babies born in this country, according to the CDC. 20,642,649 of those, 40.36, were born to unmarried mothers. What does all this tell you? This country is not headed in the right direction. It's headed in the wrong direction. A generation will soon be coming of age at which a large percentage of the population will have been denied a traditional family life. What happens when families fall apart or fail to form in the first place? Government gets bigger and takes more control over people's lives. That's what Terrence Jeffrey points out here. In 1941, Medicaid which is a form of welfare, did not exist. Authorized by Title 19 of the Social Security Act, Medicaid was signed into law in 1965 alongside Medicare. All states, the District of Columbia, and U.S. territories have Medicaid programs designed to provide health coverage for low-income people. And the federal government establishes certain parameters for all states to follow. Each state administers their Medicaid program differently, resulting in variations in Medicaid coverage across the country. Well, by July of last year, according to the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, there were 76,700,000-plus people enrolled in Medicaid. Last fiscal year, according to the monthly Treasury statement, the federal government spent $520 billion on that program. When Medicaid was created in 1965, 7.7% of the babies were born to American, or excuse me, uh, born to unmarried mothers. By 2020, according to the CDC's latest birth report, that percentage rose to 40.5%. The percentage born on Medicaid, 42% of them. Now, what does that mean? It proves that the traditional family and economic well-being are interconnected. When mothers are married to the fathers of their children and they raise their children in the same household, together, everyone flourishes. When they are born apart, when the children are born with mother and father separated or never having come together in the first place, poverty rules the day. Census Bureau data shows that the traditional family and economic well-being are interconnected. In 2020, according to the Bureau, only 4.7% of married couple families in this country lived below the the poverty level. But at the same time, 38.1% of female households with children under 18 and no spouse lived in poverty, as did 46% of female households with no spouse present and children under 6. Let me hit those numbers again. If parents were married, 4.7% of them lived in poverty. If not, uh, 38.1% of them with children under 18 and 46% with children under 6 lived in abject poverty. If America continues on a long-term trend in which 40% or more of the babies born each year are born to unmarried mothers... No fathers present in the lives of the children. And even more than that are born on Medicaid. It's hard to see how this country will prosper. Quite frankly, I would add, it's hard to see how it will survive. 
This nation was built by pioneers who sailed across broad oceans and ventured into vast prairies, seeking to live their lives self-sufficient and free. They did not want to be dependent on government. They wanted to be independent. We should teach our children and our grandchildren to emulate those pioneers who gave us this great country. Don't teach them to be dependent. Teach them to be independent. And the only way, the way, only way they can do that is to grow up in families, nuclear families, mom and dad, both giving things that only moms and dads can offer children so that they can learn what they need from each in order to go out there and replicate that with their own. So on this Father's Day, or this Father's Day weekend, I hope people understand how important fathers are. That this toxic masculinity that so many people talk about, this this patriarchy that is so evil, is necessary to not only the survival, but the ability of a culture like ours to thrive. That article, again, from Terrence P. Jeffrey, the editor-in-chief of CNSNews.com, and uh, that was the run on the Creators Syndicate webpage. I'd love your reaction to that and more. If you're on hold, stay there. I'm coming to you. If you're not on hold, this gives you a chance to get there. 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. It is Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. It is 1125, Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Don't forget, when the show ends... Do not despair if you are enjoying what you hear, because I've got three more hours on the air to go. It's just that it will be on the Dennis Prager Show. So I'll be hosting for Dennis today, nationally syndicated. You will not hear our one here. You'll have Charlie Kirk. But uh, if you want to go to Dennis Prager or go to Salem News Channel, you can hear the entirety uh, of the uh, three-hour broadcast. I'm looking forward to uh, talking to Dennis's great audience as well as my own. Uh, let's go to Rick, who's calling now from where? I'm guessing Cleveland. Rick, you're on AM 1420. The answer, good morning, and go ahead. Hey, Bob, thanks so much for taking my call. The reason I'm calling is I spoke with you a while ago uh, regarding Vietnam veterans, and I just wanted to give you a call and hopefully your listeners and remind them on the last Saturday, which is June 25th, next week, Homestead Falls will have their Vietnam Veterans Appreciation Day at the Village Green at the corner of Columbia and Water Street at 5.30. And, um, you know, sometimes I, I think that we should uh, appreciate them now as opposed to when they're gone from us and they're leaving at a, a quick rate. Well, I could not agree more. That is a great thing to do, and it is sad to say that they are leaving at such a quick rate, but they are, and I'm so glad to know that. So that's coming up on the 25th in Olmsted Falls. Right. It'll week be the from last tomorrow. Saturday. Yeah, week from Correct. tomorrow. What time and location again? 5.30 at Columbia and Water Street. It's called the Village Green. The Village Green. Okay, that's the part that I need as you repeat. Okay, good. So the Village Green on uh, Saturday the 25th, one week from tomorrow, Vietnam veterans. Uh, uh, what are we calling it? We're calling the event the... Uh, uh, Vietnam the, Veterans Appreciation, appreciation. Day. And usually, when, that's what and I'm usually when I give these speeches, I'm always talking about, you know, somebody that might have been killed or something. But so many people have come up to me and asked, you know, why is my dad this way? Why is my brother this way? And I thought that this speech here will be about to them, so 
so they can understand why we are the way we are and why we react to things the way that we do. And so it'll be more important to them. Yeah, so important. I'm so glad to hear you say that. So this is going to be a picnic event, right? So it's going to be, you know, kind of family friendly, come out and have a little bit of fun, but also, again, pay respect to and appreciation to Vietnam veterans so that they can, like you said, so the younger. The ceremony will start at 5.30. When it's over, then at the the bridge in Mm Olmstead Falls, right right within a couple hundred feet, they'll have uh, oldies playing from that era. So they'll be able to come there, and at the uh, at the Village Green, there'll be free hot dogs, free cold water. Terrific! So to keep them uh, entertained. But you know, they they honestly, Bob, people should appreciate these men and women that did what they did now, as opposed to when they're gone, and then they start thinking about them honor, and then they honor them. Yeah. Well, I like I like the idea of both. Obviously, for those who sacrificed and and who have passed on, uh, we of course salute their memories. But you're right; let's let them hear the appreciation while they're alive enough to appreciate it. So, as uh, long as we idea. keep remembering them and mentioning their names, they yeah. are never dead. That's that's exactly right. Very well said, Rick. I'm glad you called to remind us about that one week from tomorrow in Olmstead Falls. Thank you, my friend. Thank you so much, Bob. You got Bye-bye. It. God bless. Uh, let's go to uh, Berea. Sally on AM 1420, The Answer here. Sally, go ahead. Hi, Bob. As an appreciative mother, I want to thank you for your tribute to fatherhood and stressing the importance of the nuclear family um, to our society and, and entire civilization. But also, um, I wanted uh, to call to start with, I want to call out Biden's hypocrisy on saying promises kept on his wanting to reduce our reliance on oil, gasoline, and natural gas by transitioning to green energy. If this is so feasible, then how come he's begging our adversaries with dirtier oil to ship it to us while throwing our industries and the well-being of citizens into a crisis that threatens the security and stability of our republic and if he cares so much about people who have low or fixed incomes, how come he's throwing us under the bus? Well, because he doesn't, uh, because he's a hypocrite and because he's a liar. It is about an agenda. And thank you for the call, Sally, and you make a very, very good point. Um, he doesn't care about low-income people. He cares about what Barack Obama started, and he is continuing. And that is the fundamental transformation. That's what they call it. Fundamental transformation, which equals the destruction of and rebuilding in a different image of the United States of America. And that image is one of Marxism. That image is one of giant government taking away the liberties of the people. So it's the government in charge of the people rather than the people who choose their government. That is what the real goal is here. But you're exactly right, and I'm glad you called. It's 1131. Quick timeout for news. We'll come back. i got more calls waiting. I'll come to you. If you, don't want, if you are not here yet, get here now. 216-901-0945. We're right back. of the radical left always right radio with bob france on the answer 
1139, final segment of this uh, hour and of this broadcast and of this work week. Let's get a couple of more phone calls in. And by the way, that's just for Always Right Radio. I still have three more hours to go on the Dennis Prager Show, so make sure you tune in via the uh, DennisPrager.com uh, website or maybe the Salem News Channel, the Salem app. You can find it in a lot of places. First hour here. On AM 1420, the answer, of course, will be Charlie Kirk's hour, but uh, uh, you'll get uh, Dennis Prager after that, too. BJ is in North Olmstead. BJ, thanks for waiting. You're on uh, AM 1420, the answer. Go ahead. Thanks, Bob. You raise an interesting point here, and sometimes we're very offensive with other people and don't realize that we're being offensive because of the um, language or the perspective that we give. Just had a woman call in and thank you for blessing families with the fatherhood and all that and that. Mm-hmm. But to some women, that could be very insulting because it sounds like one is saying that if a man's not in the house, you ladies can't raise a son to be a decent human being. He'll be an angry young man and go out and cause trouble. That's one perception, one perspective. And the reason I bring that up is that sometimes what upsets people. They don't quite get the full picture of what the intent of the comment is. And they get riled up. And we're in a world right now where people are riling up each other with misunderstood commentary because it's not clear enough. Nowadays, we have to be very, very clear in what we're implying. On your radio station, and I bring this up for a reason. I was implied that I was anti-Semitic because I talked about the bankers. Let's say that they were Sicilian bankers. Would we be upset by calling those Sicilian people, the mafia, the rotten people, no good? Or will we be anti-Sicilian? This anti-stuff or our, our racist stuff and all the crap. And one group of people that's being directed to, people like yourself and myself, decent people, white people that build this country. And the reason I refer to white people is because white people are catching most of the crap that's going wrong, wrong with the world. And there's other white people that are, are chipping in to pick on the decent white people. So we're in a time of turmoil and we have to be more clear in our perspective that we share with each other, because there's a lot of misunderstanding, and I thank you for your time, Bob. You got it. Thank you, BJ. I uh, concur. Uh, A lot of people don't take the time to understand context around comments and intent uh, uh, around certain comments. Um, And clearly what he said is right. There are a lot of stories of single mothers who are flat-out heroes. Give them capes. They're superheroes. They found a way without a dad in the house to raise the child with discipline, to raise the child to get into school every day, to raise the child to go to college, not that going to college is the be-all, end-all, to become productive members of society, to be lawful and to be respectful of authority. And they are, and they did it while working two or three jobs to pay for everything, and those single mothers are heroes. But what makes them heroes is their rarity. Because statistically speaking... The overwhelming number of children who grow up in those single mother households aren't going to grow up respectful of the law, respectful of authority, following orders, getting their educations, getting their uh, degrees, uh, getting jobs and promotions. They end up taking shortcut routes that almost always lead them to sad and tragic lives, lives of runaways, lives of drug, ad- drug addiction, lives of, uh, of criminality. Lives of, you know, unplanned pregnancies of their own, and so on and so forth. Quite frankly, lives of criminals going to prisons. So statistically speaking, yes, fathers being absent from homes is a terrible thing for children. But when they aren't, and when those children 
are, are, are raised by one of those capeless superhero moms who manage to get it done and those kids turn out great, uh, that's, just, that's just a blessing from God. And those moms deserve all of the kudos and all of the credit in the world. And you know what? By the way, I, I, I'll, I'll take that further. So do those who try but fail. Meaning the moms who, who work two jobs to, you know, to, to make up for the lack of income of the dad and who also try to get those kids in school and also try to make sure they follow the rules and teach them right and they hound them and they discipline them. And the kid still turns out bad. Kid still turns out just didn't have the, uh, discipline aspect from dad that, you know, that, that, that was needed. But the mom did everything she could. The kid still turned out to be somebody who got himself in trouble with the law or whatever. Those moms are to be commended as well. Those moms are heroes as well. So I don't want to, I don't want to judge everyone based on the outcome. When you should be judging, if you are to judge at all, lest not ye be judged. But if you are judging, you, you judge based on the effort. You judge based on the, uh, the goal and the, and the work that is put in to try to do right by children. Having said all of that, I'm going to end the uh, program this way, and I apologize to anybody I left on hold, but we're out of time. Call me, for, call, me call the Prager Show, and I'll put you up. But I want to wish every dad out there a very happy Father's Day. And if you have a dad or a dad figure in your life and he doesn't know what you mean to, what he means to you, tell him, show him this weekend. Dads Enjoy matter. Thanks, everyone. Have a safe weekend. Let's go, Brandon. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 